Hey, I'm Nicole Ferraro, a contributing editor at Light Reading. Welcome to What's the Story, a short podcast where we take a step back from the most significant topics in telecom to tell you the latest news, how we got here, what it all means, and what to expect next. This week on the show, we're talking with Light Reading's editor-in-chief, Phil Harvey, about Huawei. Light Reading has been extensively covering the ongoing drama surrounding Huawei and how U.S. and U.K. imposed bans and sanctions are casting a shadow over the company's future and causing some general upheaval for the industry at large. Phil is here to tell us more about what this all means, why it matters, and what's likely to happen next. Phil, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Nicole. So what's the story with Huawei right now? Can you give us a general overview of the latest news on where it, Huawei is facing bans and why and anything else you might want to share about what's going on? Yeah, it's it's a, it's a lot to keep up with. But uh, just to give you some uh, insight into a, a bit of my misery, um, I'll play a quick game with you. Okay, uh, great. I'm, I'm going to read some excerpts from a light reading story, and I want you to guess the date. Okay. Um, so okay. here's the excerpt. The U.S. House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence has decided that Chinese telecom equipment vendors Huawei and ZTE pose a security risk, and U.S. companies should not engage in business with them. The committee's main concern, it would seem, is that it's not possible for Huawei and ZTE to operate without influence from the Chinese government, a claim that both vendors have always rejected. When do you think that story was written? <laughs> um, well, based on uh, recent history, I would say maybe May 2020. That's a very good guess because that's almost <laughs> identically <laughs> what the reasoning behind the Huawei, uh, the most recent Huawei objections has have been uh, from different you know, government agencies in the U.S. and abroad. The story's dateline was October the 8th, 2012. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> we've been reporting on the banning, rebanning, and near banning of Huawei for 2,842 days <laughs> and counting. Wow. And I, I think that's the, that I just wanted to put that out there is like, this has been ongoing, um, you know, really as long as Huawei's been in the U.S. and, and in the U.K. Uh, markets in general. Uh, this has been a long time. In the U.K., Huawei has been banned now uh, from the country's uh, 5G telecom networks. And what that ban means is that the telecom operators can continue to buy Huawei gear through the end of this year if they wanted to stockpile it, you know, uh, mm -hmm. for whatever reason. Uh, but they have until, uh, you know, 2027, and it has to be completely removed from their 5G networks. So 2027 is really uh, the, the marker where, it's a, where the UK government is saying, okay, all your, all your 5G networks have to be Huawei free by this time. But if you wanted to run them on Huawei gear until then, you could, you know, load up now and do mm. that, which would be kind of costly and inefficient and all that sort of thing. But it just goes to show you that, uh, that, that even a ban, you know, takes a long time to kind of roll out and enforce, uh, you know, even in the UK. In France, um, the cybersecurity agency there uh, for, for the government told the operators, network operators, that, um, that due to their security protocols, they needed to avoid switching over 
their networks to Huawei as they're considering, uh, you know, picking their vendors for 5G. The Italian government has issued security protocols and new guidelines for its 5G networks. Those don't name Huawei, but they kind of lead to the exclusion of Huawei and other Chinese vendors by the way they are uh, worded. And uh, in the U.S., um, we never had like an official nationwide ban. What happened was first the federal uh, networks and the government-related purchasing stopped. Uh, The FCC prevented U.S. telecom companies from taking money from the Universal Service Fund and using that cash uh, to buy equipment equipment from Chinese vendors. Um, And that's that's been going on a while, but it kind of heightened... um, you know, in the past, uh, I would say six months or so. So, so kind of in the, in the U S and in the UK, the bands have been talked about and kind of in various stages of happening for years, literally, but, uh, but, but it's kind of come to a head in the last, you know, last six months to a year. And in all the cases, I just want to kind of point out that, um, in all of these cases, like the earlier story from 2012 on light reading said, the overarching fear isn't technical. It's the worry that the Chinese state is somehow going to use its um, state-supported companies to do its bidding and give the, give its government some kind of advantage on the world scene. Um, there used to be, that used to sound far-fetched, but the way that China's recently stepped up its persecution of minorities and the way it's trying to you know, destroy Hong Kong's autonomy. It it does weigh heavily, I think, on any government that looks at the connection between Chinese companies and the Chinese political leaders and decides whether to uh, uh, ban it or ignore it. Either way, it's it's a tough decision to make. Okay, gotcha. So with all of these uh, long talked about bans finally coming to a head, what, do you, what would you say are the broader implications of, of all of this for Huawei, for the industry at large, and for what's going on um, internationally with 5G? Yeah, it's a great question, because w- where this all kind of comes together is the 5G network. I mean, the, the, the weird thing is that Huawei has been doing, you know, enterprise business around the world. It's it's been doing telecom business in the U.S. for a while, especially in rural networks. But uh, and of course, it's in the U.K. networks in various places. Um, but where this matters, I guess, is that in the U.S. and the U.K., you know, they're incredibly influential in regards to their technology choices. And when those countries tend to buy off on some technology at some scale, it generally lowers the price, and that makes it easier for other countries to, you know, to follow it. Uh, follow in line, especially the smaller European countries. Um, In keeping a massive company like Huawei, which itself already serves the largest population on earth, (laughs) um, you know, if you keep that company out of your 5G competitive considerations, it means that stuff's going to cost more. So on the telecom market, especially in 5G, you only have a handful of companies to begin with that are even commercially capable of producing this stuff at any scale that's needed to compete, you know, in that large a theater. So when you take Huawei out of the equation, you take ZTE out of the equation, um, you're down to a pretty small group of operators and pricing is always a factor in telecom, but it's a massive factor now because people really aren't paying more for 5g. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a massive upgrade on the consumer side on the operator side. 
it's just this kind of very long on-ramp to some other business plan that's down the road, but it doesn't really have that immediate uh, boost to their earnings that that maybe they thought it would, um, you know, some years ago. So because of that consideration, the real control that operators can have is to lower their operating costs and lower their capital expenditures as, as ever. The best way to do that is to get the equipment that's going to cost them the most upfront and then cost them the least, the, the least amount of money to run over time. And up until, you know, very recently with people considering more kind of open source and uh, multi-sourced solutions, one way to accomplish that end goal was to simply buy the entire kit from the cheapest vendor. And Huawei was often that vendor. Mm-hmm. Okay. So with all of that in mind, then what should we be keeping our eye on as far as Huawei is concerned in the coming weeks and months? And do you have any predictions on uh, anything in particular you'll be looking out for? Yeah, they, well, it's, I think one thing to keep in mind or keep keep your eye on is OpenRAN and the development of mm-hmm. OpenRAN, because um, it's been touted as sort of a US friendly way to uh, you know enable startups to build 5G networks and kind of lock Huawei out. But um, like we've been writing about, especially Ian Morris has written about this quite a bit, China's influence in the wireless industry, its technology, patents, standards, and so on, it's grown steadily over uh, the last like three wireless generations, 3G, 4G, and now 5G. And even in Open RAN, some of the technology and intelligence that set up the techniques that are used in Open RAN actually originated at China, China Mobile. So... Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be really tough for us to walk back the globalization of technology that we've been building for the last 30 or 40 years. So my prediction, I guess I'm kind of uh, going to give you a non-answer here. This is uh, shocking for a journalist, right? <laughs> but what I'm really watching is um, if you look at like the big technology trends, AI, uh, automation and manufacturing, and just automation in general, and then 5G, they all sort of seem to march us toward more globalization because the more uh, the more you can use those technologies across borders in countries, the more powerful they become, the more effective they are. But the politics in almost, you know, especially in, you know, China versus the rest of the world seem to be running the other way. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's where I'm kind of at a, at a crossroads. I don't really know which way this is going to go, except to say, if I could, if I could predict how we're going to do with globalization, and uh, you know, are we going to be able to have a more efficient flow of goods, people, capital, money, energy, you know, across borders? If are we going to get back to that point, or is it going to go the other way, and we're going to have this kind of balkanization of new technologies, and then the countries um, with either the either the most developed technology or the biggest populations end up winning? I think predicting that is kind of key to predicting what's going to happen next. And I don't really have my elbow on the pulse (laughs) of that just yet. Um, And also the other kind of X factor here is the coronavirus and how uh, different companies and different economies are going to um, bounce back or find additional difficulty in their recovery. Uh, You know, I'm based in Texas and uh, we're only at the very beginning of, uh, uh, of a very long, bad Western 
Yeah. <laughs> Where we don't really, it's not going to end in a shootout with the virus. It's just going to be a. They you know, might try, though. Yeah. Yeah. They might. They're definitely armed for it. Um, but uh, yeah, there's just, there's just going to be this really um, uh, long, protracted economic pain that kind of goes with people's ability to, uh, uh, you know, I guess. Uh, mentally avoid the virus and, or thoughts yeah. of the virus as opposed yeah. to just dealing with it and taking the measures necessary. So yeah, if, if it takes the U S longer to recover, that's going to add, um, you know, more uncertainty toward not just the politics of 5g, but also the development and the, you know, uh, the development and the distribution of those technologies worldwide as well. Yeah, Definitely. Well, on that happy note, Phil, I want to say thank you so much for joining me today. And I have a feeling we'll be returning to talk about Huawei more and probably oh, the coronavirus more. Probably both. Yeah, they, they definitely. All, all these happy things uh, I've been, I've been uh, espousing today. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks, Nicole. Thank you so much, Phil Harvey, for taking the time to talk with me today on all things Huawei. Thank you also to our producer, Tian Fu, for making this episode, and thank you all for listening. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review, share this episode with a colleague or friend, and subscribe to the Light Reading Podcast for more interviews and insights from the team. That's the story for now. We'll be back next week.